Welcome, human resourcers, to the very first episode of HR Rockstar, the podcast that is determined to make an HR Rockstar out of you. I'm your host, Christopher Hope, and glad to have you with us. Well, hello, fellow human resourcers. First, I want to do a little introduction of myself and talk about the intended format for each episode. I've been working in human resources for 22 years, mostly in heavy manufacturing. I've experienced both at the manufacturing plant level and in the corporate office environment as well. I received my bachelor's degree from the University of Alabama. Can I get a roll tide? Roll tide? Anybody? Anybody? And I got my master's degree in personnel counseling from Jacksonville State University back in the day when hair metal was transitioning to grunge. For this podcast, I will present an HR topic each episode and give a little insight based on my research, experience, and my opinion. I plan for the episodes to be brief between 10 and 20 minutes for each one. If nothing else, it'll give you a starting point to do your own research to see if it's something you can use to create a rockin' HR experience for your team. I will also try to inject a little humor into each episode. I don't believe you can be a true HR rock star without a good sense of humor. So let's get to the topic. I am a firm believer in the axiom, to know where you're going, you got to understand where you've been. So I would like to talk about the history of human resource management. So without further ado, HR, where the heck did it come from? The roots of what we call human resources today can be traced back to the turn of the century England, the 19th century that is. In these days, working conditions in mills were harsh to say the least. We're talking 12 to 15 hour days, six days a week. Dangerous working conditions and children often working in the same conditions as adults. Factory owners saw machines as important. If a machine breaks down, it's going to cost you money. It's expensive to repair or to replace. But people, eh, you lose one, you just stick another in their place. Along comes a cotton mill owner by the name of Robert Owen. He had the revolutionary idea that people were not merely expendable and less important than machines. He realized that better working conditions and treating people like, you know, people had a positive impact on productivity and efficiency. One of the first things he did as the owner of the new Lanark Mill was to get rid of the labor contracts with poor houses that involved children as young as five. That's five. Five years old, people. He raised the minimum working age to 10. That's 10 years old, people. And forbade the beating of children. Baby steps. He's taking baby steps. He was also a big believer in gaining the trust of his workforce. He sought out the influencers among his workforce and would share with them his intentions to gain buy-in. 
and in a period when American embargoes led to layoffs, he kept his workforce intact, maintaining the mill and the equipment. He gradually ceased the employment of children and provided a night school for his employees. So, a little better. Getting a little better here. His novel treatment of his workforce led to a very profitable business, and that seemed to confirm that treating your employees better led to greater motivation and productivity. An interesting side note, my mother's maiden name is Owen, so surely I share a common ancestor with Robert Owen. I'm thinking this makes me some kind of HR royalty. Wait, what's that? That's not how it works? And there's no such thing as HR royalty? Oh well, nice try on my part. Thanks for the correction, Zelda. Zelda is my silent assistant and is always up for correcting me when I stray off the path. Fast forward to the next turn of the century. The National Cash Register Company of Dayton, Ohio is considered to have had the very first personnel department. This department was dedicated to dealing with employees' grievances, discharges, safety, and keeping management up to date on new laws and practices. Then in the 1920s and 30s, an Australian psychologist with the interesting name of Elton Mayo I'll have the flamboyant rock star sob hold the Elton Mayo. Came on the scene while conducting productivity experiments at the Hawthorne plant in Illinois. These are the famous Hawthorne studies that you might have studied back in business school. So in a nutshell, workers in a control group were subjected to changes in lighting to determine the effect on production. The findings were that the lighting didn't really matter, but the increased attention the employees were experiencing, as well as the social interaction and feeling of worth in what they were doing, led to an increase in productivity. The interpretation of the Hawthorne studies greatly influenced management thought and practice during the 1930s and 40s, with more emphasis on the social and informal aspects of work and the effect this had on productivity. These ideas were further enhanced when Abraham Maslow came up with the hierarchy of needs in 1943. This is something else you might have studied in business school. This laid out the concepts that once basic needs were met, in this case a decent wage and a safe working environment, Employees need to feel like they belong. Once they feel like they belong, they need to feel like they have accomplished something and then that they can reach their full potential. This was a precursor to employee engagement that we will discuss in more detail in a future episode. The 1940s and 50s saw a surge in union membership leading to greater emphasis on collective bargaining and labor relations within the personnel management function. Union negotiations also led to an increased importance on compensation analysis and benefit administration. The 1960s and 70s led to some really good music from the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and Led Zeppelin. But more importantly, the Civil Rights Act of 1964. It reshaped personnel management practices through anti-discrimination laws, particularly with Title VII, 
which prohibits discrimination based on, say along with me, human resourcers, race, color, sex, religion, and national origin. Now, if you got any part of that wrong, please turn in your HR Magic Wand immediately and go directly to the accounting department. This landmark legislation led to more emphasis on equal employment opportunity and affirmative action, and even more need to have trained professionals involved in hiring, disciplinary, and termination decisions. During the 1980s, we see more of a switch from personnel departments with greater emphasis on administrative duties to human resources with a more holistic approach to taking care of the team member. And through the 80s and 90s, increased diversity in the workplace, the globalization of business and technology revolution all have a great effect on increasing the importance of HR's place in most companies. The 90s also saw new legislation designed to offer protection to employees, most notably the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990 and the Family and Medical Leave Act of 1993. And we all know these have never produced a single headache amongst our kind. The 2000s have led to even more emphasis on the strategic function of HR. The role in many companies has evolved to the HR business partner with less siloed approach of staying in your little HR corner, but instead with HR professionals increasing their understanding of the overall business goals and vision and how HR can support this vision. Where is all this leading, you might ask? Well, I'm sure the headlines of today will lead to greater consideration and emphasis on working from home. Some of this was already in the works, but the COVID pandemic has in certain aspects accelerated this trend. HR will be tasked with making things work with flexible schedules and remote training. The Black Lives Matter movement and the LGBTQ community finding their voice will have companies taking a close look at their diversity initiatives and what an inclusive workforce really means. HR is sure to be at the forefront of these initiatives. Well, human resourcers, this concludes this week's episode, which I hope you enjoyed. Now, the HR Rockstar theme was composed and performed by my good friend Chuck Sawyer, who does indeed know how to lay down a stone groove. Until next time, keep on rocking the HR world. <laughs>